all glory belongs to the Lord our God. Turning your Bibles to Daniel chapter number five. Daniel chapter number five. As you tend there, let me say a word of prayer. Father, now illumine our hearts and minds. Remove the scales from our eyes so that we may see clearly our need for Jesus, our need for the gospel. Speak to our hearts now, God. Lord, use this your servant, not because of me, but in spite of me. By the power of your word, dear Lord, save, sanctify, edify, and multiply. In Christ's name, amen. Daniel chapter number 5, beginning with verse number 1. We're going to read all 31 verses. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, Holy Scripture, the Bible, will have it on the screen for you. In honor and reverence to God's holy word, I'm going to ask you to stand now for the reading of the word. Daniel chapter 5, beginning with verse number 1, reads, King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he had tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought, that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone. And immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand. And the king saw the hand as, as it wrote. Then the king's color changed and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way and his knees knocked together. And the king called loudly to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers. The king declared to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and shows me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed and his color changed. And his lords were perplexed. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting hall. And the queen declared, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom. And whom is the spirit of the holy gods? 
in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called and he will show the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, You are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king my father brought from Judah. Verse 14, I have heard of you that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the enchanters, have been brought in before to read this writing and to make known to me its interpretation. But they cannot show the interpretation of the matter. But I've heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed. And whom he would, he kept alive. And whom he would, he raised up. And whom he would, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from him. He was driven from among the children of mankind and his mind was made like that of a beast and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. He was fed grass like an ox and his body was wet with the dew of heaven until he knew that the most high God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart. Though you knew all this, but you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you. And you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. But the God in whose hand is your breath and whose are all your ways, you have not honored. Then from his presence, the hand was sent and this writing was inscribed. And this is the writing that was inscribed. Mene, mene, tekel, and parson. This is the interpretation of the manner. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. To Cal, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Paris, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. 
Then Belshazzar gave the command and Daniel was clothed with purple. A chain of gold was put around his neck and a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed and Darius the Mede received the kingdom being about 62 years old. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Is my speaker on? C.S. Lewis and his book, Mere Christianity, says these words, and I quote, the essential, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. He goes on to say that pride leads to every other vice. Pride, he says, is the complete anti-God state of mind. And beloved, it is that sin in which we find ourselves studying here in Daniel chapter 5. I simply have two points this morning. It's actually the title of the sermon, Pride and Punishment. Look with me first of all in Daniel chapter 5 at the king's pride. The king's pride. Here we, in this first point, I want us to see the king's pride exposed. It, ex, it is exposed in three categories of sins. First of all, look with me at the sensuality of the king. Our text begins with a new king by the name of Belshazzar. He is said to be the son of Nebuchadnezzar. However, historical records inform us that Belshazzar was not a biological son of Nebuchadnezzar. He was actually the son of Nabonidus. Nabonidus was actually king of Babylon at this time. And for whatever reason, the true king, Nabonidus, is, has been gone for 10 years. And in his absence, he left his biological son, Belshazzar, over the kingdom. Thus, Belshazzar is a son of Nebuchadnezzar in the sense that he is a successor to the throne of Nebuchadnezzar. So, Belshazzar, the text says, throws a feast. He has a party for roughly 1,000 people. And some say that was just his officials. It may have been up to 8,000 people at this party. This feast, if you pay close attention to the text, you will see that this feast was very sensual. When I say sensual, I'm referring to the, the, to the sense and that it was gratifying to all the senses. First of all, this feast, this party, it appealed to his sense of taste. Look at the text. Verse 2 says that the king tasted the wine. 
Now, what you have to understand is that most translators are convinced that this phrase suggests that he was under the influence of alcohol and was inebriated or drunk. It was also sensual, this party, because of the physical intimacy suggested in the passage. Notice at the end of verse 2, that in attendance are the king's wives and concubines. By the way, concubines, think side pieces. <laughs> More than likely, this feast turned into a drunken orgy. Good luck explaining that to your kids. So through the sensuality, of this feast, we see the beginning of the king's pride exposed. Why, why, Brandon, do you take the time out to highlight this sin of sensuality? Well, if you look into the New Testament, you learn that this sin is, is on a list of vices in multiple places in the New Testament. Jesus actually mentioned this as a sin. In Mark chapter 7, verse 22, he taught his disciple, disciples that it's not what goes into a person that defiles them, but what comes out of a man that defiles him. Because what comes out of a person reveals what's in, on the inside of that person. And he goes on to list a list of sins that, that reveal what comes out of a person is really what's in that person. And on that list is the sin of sensuality. So this king's sensuality reveals what's deep inside of him. Not only in Mark do we see this sin listed, but also the apostle Paul lists this sin in Romans chapter 13, verse 13. Paul commands the Christians at Rome, he says, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness. It's almost as if he's, he's writing to these people here in Daniel, not in sexual immorality and sensuality. There it is again, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And the king here does the exact opposite of this command. He makes every provision for the flesh and gratifies every one of his desires in this feast. This king is proud in that he thinks he's above the laws of morality. He thinks he's the end all be all because he's the king of Babylon. He believes he can do whatever he wants because he's the highest in the kingdom. And he has clearly failed to recognize that the God of Daniel is the most high God. So we see this king's pride exposed not only through his sensuality, but we also see it exposed in blasphemy. Look again at verse 2. The king says that the king had the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar his father had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought that the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Verse 3 tells us that they actually drink from those holy vessels. And beloved, I want you to see 
that this is high-handed sin against God. Belshazzar knows that the vessels came out of the temple of God. However, he shows no honor or respect for these vessels. He profanes these holy vessels by using them as though they are common. Beloved, this is brazen sin. And drinking from these holy vessels, he is sending a message to God that God doesn't control him. It's almost as if he's raising his fist to God and saying, I've got the power. He dishonors God and drinking from these vessels. And what a clear display of the pride of this king. Now, I will tell you, though, that the sin of dishonoring God is not isolated to just the king. If you look at Romans chapter 1, verse 21, Paul, speaking about the unrighteousness of men, says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. He blasphemes the holy God. Not only is his pride exposed through blasphemy and sensuality, but then his pride is also exposed in the sin of idolatry. Look at verse 4. It says, They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. He used the vessels of God to praise his idols. Again, a clear failure to recognize that the most high rules. And many of us, when we hear about idols, we are tempted to think that we don't have to worry about this sin because we don't worship idols. Well, maybe not actual statues, but I'm convinced that even in the church, we still idolize gold, silver, and bronze. It's called the love of money. And this is a sin that we are all tempted to commit. It's so common to human nature and affects the discipleship of followers of Christ that Jesus had to teach his disciples and us that we cannot serve both God and money. He said, you'll love the one and hate the other. Elsewhere, the Bible teaches that the love of money is the root of all evil. This king idolized money. Not only did he idolize money, but he also is guilty of the sin of materialism. That's, that's, that's what he said. He also praised the gods of iron, wood, and stone. These were used for building. Just like this king, if you're not careful, you too will be tempted to love possessions, creation rather than the, the creator. So that's the king's pride. Look with me secondly at the king's punishment. This king is found to be guilty of his sins. In verse 5, a hand a disembodied hand begins to write on the wall. And there are four words that this hand writes. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. 
These words in Aramaic mean numbered, numbered, weighed, and divided. And Daniel explains the meaning beginning in verse number 26. He says, this is the interpretation of the matter. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. 27, Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Paris, you, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. So Daniel tells King Belshazzar, God has evaluated your life. and He's evaluated your reign on the throne. And you fail to meet God's standards. God takes a balance and he puts his righteousness on one side and he puts the king's life on the other side. And the king's life is lacking. He doesn't balance out. And beloved, that's the truth of all humanity when it compares to God's holiness and God's righteousness. He's on one side of the balance. We are. And we are found lacking, wanting. There is a deficiency in our righteousness balanced against God's righteousness. And as and like the king, we should hear that the days are numbered. and They are being brought to an end. This king is told that his kingdom will fall to the Medes and the Persians. Look at verse 30 through 31. That very night, Belshazzar the Chaldean king was killed. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom being about 62 years old. Two things I want to quickly observe about this king's punishment. First of all, I want us to see that this king's punishment was swift. The text says it came that very night. This is a major contrast from what we just studied last week in Daniel chapter 4. Remember in Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And after interpreting the dream, Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar, uh, he says to the king, break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. After giving him the bad news of his sin and the impending judgment, he actually, Daniel gives to Nebuchadnezzar a word of hope. If we also remember the story from chapter 4, we see also that Nebuchadnezzar, he doesn't stay in the fields with the beast forever. He is actually restored Back to his kingdom. But here with Belshazzar, there's no word of hope. And there is no restoration. He is killed that very night by the Medes and Persians. His judgment is swift. Not only is his judgment swift, but his judgment was certain as well. Not only is it swift, it was also Certain. The fact that Babylon fell teaches us that God's word is sure. Whatever he says will happen must happen. 
God is not a liar. His word is true. God is faithful to his word. And if he said it, it must come to pass. So then what are we to learn from the king's judgment? I want us to look closely at verse number 22. And I'm done. Verse 22. Look what Daniel says to Belshazzar. And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this. It is clear that the reason God's judgment was certain and swift is because Belshazzar, he knew what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. He knew everything that happened to him. He knew that Nebuchadnezzar lifted up his heart against God and was humiliated by God. He knew. Yet Belshazzar failed to learn from what he knew about the past. His downfall was that he failed to learn that the most high God rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he wills. That's the lesson. He knew, yet he did not learn by repenting and turning to the Most High God. And because he failed to learn and still lifted up his heart against God, God gave him no further opportunity for repentance. And beloved, if this happened to Belshazzar, how much more will those who have the light of the Word of God and the light of the Gospel be judged harshly by God? He has sent his light. He has sent his son. He has given us the gospel. How sad it is many people will sit under the preaching of the gospel and never respond. God's judgment will be swift. We are to learn this lesson. This is the takeaway. It's the same takeaway from last week. We are to know that the most high God rules the kingdom of man and gives it to whom he wills. I need to tell somebody here this morning because mm, the first Tuesday in November is coming. And some people are ready to move to Canada depending on who gets elected. Some people think there's going to be doomsday if a certain individual on either side is elected. Oh, church of God, you better know the most high God rules the kingdom of man and sits over it whom he wills. If, Trump, if President Trump gets an, another term, somebody in here needs to know the most high God rules the kingdom of man and sits over at whom he wills. If Biden becomes president, somebody needs to know the most high God rules the kingdom of men and sits over at whom he wills. That's a word for somebody. That's not even in my manuscript. I got witnesses. But church, we need, I am so, can I just go on a tangent? Just, just give me one more moment. I am so sick and tired of the church acting and thinking like the world. I think one of the reasons that the, that the book of Daniel was written, it was written to those in exile to let them know you ain't got to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar. 
because God is still on the throne. And the problem in the church is that we've got way too many church folks, Christians, evangelicals, who are bound down and, and putting their hope in Nebuchadnezzar. That's all right. I, I'm going to do it. Thank you. Church, we need to know that the most high God rules the kingdom of men and sets over it whom he wills. All right, that's it. I'm done. Friends, God's just judgment is swift and certain. Because God's judgment is swift, we should not delay our repentance. God's swift judgment may come when you least expect it. And I encourage you to not presume upon the grace of God. Don't take God's grace, God's patience, patience for granted. He owes us nothing. And those who presume upon God's grace will face everlasting punishment. This judgment, judgment also teaches us, this is a take-home lesson. That pride is high-handed sin against God. Pride is high-handed sin against God. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That word oppose there in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, it means literally to resist or to set oneself against. It, it, it is also used to refer to, to battling against someone. So then what Peter is telling us when he says that God opposes the proud is he is telling us that God sets himself against the proud. He resists the proud. The proud are the opponents of God. And it's a boxing match we can't win. Our arms are too short. Pride is serious sin, church. And God, what the text teaches us is that God will judge the sin of pride. And beloved, we must guard our hearts against pride. And so something that we need to wrestle with today is are you at the center of the universe? Is it all about you. <sighs> All right. Finally, the fall of Babylon is an eschatological reminder. That word eschatological, it simply just means end times. The fall of Babylon is an eschatological reminder. Revelation chapter 18, verse 2 an angel pronounces, fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. Babylon in the New Testament refers to the worldly system that stands against the kingdom of God. So in Revelation, the angel announces, the, of the, he announces the future desolation and destruction of all political and religious systems. And beloved, this is good news. The world will one day, the evil, all the evil will come to an end. Babylon will fall. Babylon will be judged. Babylon will be destroyed. And beloved, this 
is our hope. This is why we remain steadfast, even in Babylon, even in exile. This is why we don't bow down to Babylon or to Nebuchadnezzar, because we know one day Babylon will fall. God will judge Babylon, and she will be no more. We look forward to the day where there will be no more evil, no more sin, and no more death. One day we will no longer be in exile. We will return to our homeland where we will dwell with God forever in the new heavens and the new earth. That's my little speech this morning. Pride and punishment. Let us pray.